We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're dealing with a series, Imitate. Today is our fifth part, I believe. So we'll go on with today's installment about the authority of God. We established last week that all authority, da, belongs to God. Yeah, there's no dispute. Nobody's arguing. Yeah? We all agree? Even if you don't agree. You're not agreeing will not remove some, of, some authority from, from, from him. All authority is God's. And he gave all that authority or he vested all that authority in the Son. So Jesus is the authority of the Father just as he is the explanation of the Father. We established this last week, right? So we said we'll look at the posture of Jesus and the apostles and then we are looking at that with a view as scripture has told us to consciously imitate, right? That's where we are. So we said all the authority of God is vested in the Son. The authority of Jesus is absolute. He has had it from before creation. You saw John 17, 5. Glorify me now with the glory that I've had with you from before creation, right? John 17 and 5. And then we now started to explore that Jesus did not use his authority outside of the Father. And that was profound. You see somebody having absolute authority, still exercising that authority under control according to the will of the Father. He could, Jesus could do whatever he likes. Whatever Jesus likes. He could have turned stone to bread. Jesus could have had angels flying around in Gethsemane. Jesus could have come down from the cross. And he would have still remained the son of God. He had absolute authority. Jesus could have on the earth ordained himself high priest. After flogging everybody out of the temple. So you know what? I hereby declare that I, Jesus, is now the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. But we saw in Hebrews last week that he said he did not appoint himself to the position of high priest. He subjected himself to the father. So great authority, limitless authority, absolute authority given to him by the Father such that nothing Jesus did would have taken the Father by surprise. Yet Jesus constrains himself and doesn't act outside the Father. Then we went on to see that he also did not use the authority that he had for personal benefit either. We looked at a few examples, the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, the temptation of, of Satan. We looked at um, the, the, sorry, that's um, uh, on the mountain. And then we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane, the arrest and the Peter's uh, cutting off of the chief priest servant's ear. And Jesus saying, I could call six legions of angels, you know, and they will. And we saw how it was profound that if he had called for those angels, the father would have honored it. Yeah. And taken responsibility for it and not recall the authority of Jesus. Awesome. So we're going to continue from there. If Jesus did not use his authority for personal benefit, how then do you explain the encounter of him cursing the fig tree? And that's a good question. I said I'll answer it later. You see those accounts in Matthew 21 
and a Mark 11 about Jesus and the fig tree. I will have to do a full series on that parable. I can spend a hundred hours teaching Jesus on the fig tree. So I'm not even trying to dabble into it today. Because again, you look at, you look at in Matthew 21, it happens, this all happens in the Passover week. You know, it happens the day after the entry into Jerusalem, what is popularly known as the triumphant entry. You know, he enters the, 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 the city in what would, what would be a Sunday or the first day of the week, and then he shows up in the temple. After they celebrated him was when he went to the temple and flogged everybody out. <laughs> Jesus had some kind of mind, man. You know, and let this mind which was in Christ Jesus... <laughs> They just spread rapper for you now, now to enter their town. You carry cane, went to their major cathedral and flogged them out. Why wouldn't they crucify you? <laughs> Why wouldn't they crucify you? So in Matthew 21, that happens. He enters Jerusalem. He flogs them out of the temple. And then this is the next story following from that. That is also important. In Mark 11, the order is flipped. The fig tree happens before the flogging. And these are things that as a Bible student you must pay attention to. Because somebody who, um, who wants to pick on you and bring up an intellectual argument will say even your Bible doesn't correspond. Because in one instance in Matthew, Bartimaeus is on the road to Jericho. In Luke or Mark's account, there's two blind men. The Gennesaret man out of which Legion was cast out is one in Matthew's account and is two men. In this other account. So as a, as a thorough student of the Bible, you must sit down and harmonize these things. And everybody that wrote was with Jesus. Matthew was with Jesus. Sir. Jesus reclined at the table in Matthew's house. Matthew was not writing in third person. Mark traveled with Jesus and traveled with Paul. Luke traveled with Jesus and traveled with Paul. John, this is where he was. And everybody writes and captures unique perspectives of the same truth. They don't contradict each other. They just capture unique perspectives that you need to pull the entire thing together to get a sense of what happened. That's one. Then there's also the issue of Jesus cursed the fig tree. I've checked through scripture over and over. I have not seen any translation that renders Jesus cursing the fig tree. Because it is important that you do not address a scriptural account by what scripture did not allude to it. That you said Jesus cursed does not mean Jesus cursed. It's like people say God cursed man. He never, God will, ne if God curses man, God will die. Because God cannot curse man and, do not, and not have a boomerang effect on his nature. He made man in his own image after his likeness. For God to curse man will be for God to curse God in man. And that diminishes the character and the quality of God. For God to cause his nature in a man to wither because he, God, could not sustain it. Oh, God cursed man. He never cursed man. Didn't curse man. Didn't curse the woman. Punishment for sin, I've taught you in this house, is different from consequence for sin. Then he faced the serpent, who is the curse. And <laughs> just told him, you will curse you. Curse the earth for man's sake. Curse the serpent. Didn't curse man. Jesus speaks to the fig tree. He didn't curse it. Word. Light already comes. 
to your understanding of the scriptures. Because you know most of us walk around convinced that Jesus cursed, which will negate his nature. If Jesus is cursing, then Jesus is showing us the character of the Father. And we have a problem with that. But he speaks to the fig tree. And he says, for eternity, you will not produce fruit again. And the question is, what is the fig tree and what does the fig tree represent? That's not today. When you sit down and start to do a study of the, of the, the parallels in the Old Testament of what a fig tree represents. And Jesus in Matthew 21, 18 or so, when they were going past, he said that he, he was hungry. And then he looked at a fig tree that was full of leaves and had no fruit. And then you run this parallel with his account of says in, in John 4 that he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. So the food of Jesus is not fruit and figs and fish and bread. He said, my bread, John 4. Because you know when he finished with the Samaritan woman, you know he had sent the disciples to go and buy bread. Then they came back. They said, ah, has anybody fed him? They said, my food, my meat is to do the will of the Father. So the food of Jesus is not natural food and drink. For the kingdom of God is not meat and bread. Are you following me? <laughs> but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when you say Jesus was hungry, qualify metaphorically what his natural state would have been. And then what did he expect? Just like him giving them physical bread in John 13. But it's not physical bread he was giving them. Do you understand? Because he told them earlier in John 6, your, your fathers ate manna, ate bread, in, and they are dead. <laughs> I love God's word. So you must sit down and put the whole parallel together. What did, what did it mean for Jesus to be hungry? What did, what did the fig tree represent? When Jesus affirmed that this was drying up, what was he speaking to? A tree, a system, a dispensation, an order? Which one? When he tells it you will not produce again, he was canceling a dispensation to introduce a new one. That's your homework. So you have to sit down and study. Do you understand? Ototomeo, take time. Some things, you understand? Yeah. Steak that you cook in a hurry and steak that you slow cook, they are different. If you don't know what steak is, don't even bother to try. <laughs> I was watching a movie a few days ago. This guy was having steak at the restaurant and a lady comes and says to him, so how's your steak? And he replies and says, meaty. <laughs> I was so sarcastic. Like, <laughs> how's your steak? So my steak is meaty. Yeah. Some of you don't know what steak is. At least you know what meat is. <laughs> so when you cook something in a hurry, it tends to burn before cooking. Does that make sense? But when you slow cook, it reduces the heat, it marinates, it and gets into it, brings out all the flavors. Do you understand? It takes time. So is it with the study of God's word. Why do you think Paul would teach all night? Do you think he didn't have what to do? It takes time to teach this thing. So we calm down. Yeah? So I've given you tips on the parable of Jesus on the fig tree. And I fixed that general conception, misconception that he cursed it. Because there's no, there's no one check, check the original language, there's no reference to him cursing. He speaks to it. But then the question here is, how does Jesus curse in the fig tree, or you know, which you now know he didn't curse, how does it tally with the fact that he never used his authority for himself? And the, the, the answer is in the next verse, verse 20. Matthew 
21, 20. And when the disciples saw it, when who saw it? When the disciples saw it. So this was done for the benefit of the seeing. Just like Jesus prayed in John 11. He said, my, my father, I thank you that you hear me always. But, but even now, it's, it's, I, I say this so that this will see and know. So even when he prayed in John 11 at the tomb of Lazarus, he wasn't praying because the father needed him to pray first to raise the dead. Do you understand? So his praying to the father in thanksgiving was not for the benefit of either Jesus or the father. Okay, we'll come back to, to Matthew 21. Let's, let's, let's go to John 11. John 11 from verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Go on. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. I thank you that you have heard me. I don't even need to pray to you because you always hear me. So it's not like I need to pray this prayer, but I prayed this prayer so that these guys will believe that the Father sent me. So he prayed that prayer not for the benefit of the Father, not for the benefit of the Son, but for the benefit of the onlookers. That they may receive confirmation that the Son was sent by the Father. In other words, I pray to the Father. I exercise the authority of the Father. These people get to believe. Still not all of them. Because the Jewish people had mind. You saw a man, Stella, that Jesus raised to, to life in your very eyes. And you still want to kill him. They plotted to kill Lazarus. Yes, Lazarus that they saw. <laughs> man. <laughs> Do you understand the mind involved? You saw somebody rolled up in, in linen. Four days, stinking. Come back out of the tomb. And Jesus says... Lose him because he was wrapped and embalmed. Jesus says, lose him and let him go. And you're not planning to kill him. In Africa, would have left the town for you first. Is that not so? All of us will leave the town for you to prove that you have really, you will touch your body. We will bring soup. <laughs> so some of you are showing yourselves now. And they are planning to kill him. In Matthew 21 and 20, you see it really clearly. When the disciples saw it, they marveled and say, saying, how did the victory wither away so quickly, so soon? And Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the victory, you will say to this mountain. He seized this as an opportunity to teach them a little about faith. So at the end, who did the encounter benefit? Not Jesus. Because he didn't die of hunger. Because fig tree had no fruit. Do you, do, you, do you get it? So ultimately, it wasn't him exercising authority in his own interest. It wasn't. The apostles, same thing. You see handkerchiefs and aprons from Paul healing the sick. You see dead people, Eutychus, coming back to life. Then they want to kill Paul. They are putting him in a basket to lower him down the wall of the city to run. You would have thought somebody that had that much power would just go, like Elisha, blind everybody. You know that story? Fire from heaven. You know? But Paul, such great authority, yet, imagine that a common soldier could arrest Paul and put him in chains. Roman, a Gentile. Paul had spiritual authority Paul had civil authority. Because Romans do not treat 
Romans as they would treat slaves and Jews. That's why the moment Paul eventually said, I appeal to Caesar, they're like, ha. Ah. Because only a Roman citizen can appeal to the emperor. Are you a? And they became afraid. Because all along they realized they had been torturing and chaining a Roman citizen. Blue blood. So the very first time they tried to arrest Paul in the temple square, he should have said, hey, I'm Roman. Don't touch me. But he never did that. He never did that. And that should be food for thought. And those are the, the patterns, as we saw in Philippians 3, that we are told to imitate. That you carry Paul and put him in stakes, hands and feet. That's what scripture says in Acts. They were bound hands and feet together with Silas. And there's so much that can be said in that instance because they praised God in chains. And all the prisoners heard them, not some. I cannot praise God today. I cannot come to church today. I have not eaten. I don't have transport. All the prisoners heard them praise. That means this praise was not in their heart. So again, intellectual believers, I mean, I, cannot, I, I don't sing out loud. I am the song. On what key, sir? Uh, on what key are you the song, sir? Key sharp. Because the apostle who brings about the gospel by which you are saved opened his mouth and sang praises. And everybody heard. That means it was loud. It was not, I will not be silent. Some of you are very cute. You come to church. I, I, I'm always amused on a Sunday. We go out in the morning and see people dress up. <laughs> dress up. With no revelation of Jesus. You look like a peacock in heat. Hey. And they go to church. To do what? What happened in church? And all you have to show for Sunday at the end of the day. Is pictures of you on the street. Where there was a fine grass or shrub in the corner. It's hardly ever in the front of your house. Because we'll see all the zinc and all the pots and everything. And those kids that are naked running around in your picture. So you wait until you pot. <laughs> I show off my mic, eh? Now wait, now snap, snap in the middle of the street. Now snap you. But sadly, a lot of us, that's all we have to show for a Sunday is just activity and sociality. That's all. Nothing more. Nothing more. And the lit, litlest resistance, the litlest thing life throws at you, you abdicate of balance. No, no, please don't tell me about Bible. Don't tell me, don't, don't tell me. We're talking reality here. What is reality? What is reality? Leave spiritual matter, leave Bible, leave Bible, leave Bible. Let's, let's talk what? Because sons of God are not unruly in the place of adversity. Are you hearing me? Sons of God are not unruly. We're not uncouth just because we have come into difficulty. Doesn't mean our confession changes. We have not so learned Christ. It's imitate, right? No. You are hungry. So what? You are sick. So what? But because who we see is greater. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Who we see is greater. But Paul could have, at that point, just declared. But again, you see authority under control. He submits the authority that he had. To the will of the Father. 
And it so happened that on that occasion, it was the will of the Father to set him free. And there was an earthquake and angels and all that, and they were, they were let loose. Went out. It was the will of the Father. Paul could have brought that to pass, but he didn't. Are you following me? So we must be careful as well. It's therefore not consistent with the character of a believer to allow a place of authority or responsibility shift their character such that you begin to act out of character because you have small authority. Especially around here. If your boss engages with you at your level, you will insult your boss. You will. If you are elevated to the authority of your boss, you will kill your subordinate. So where are we going to go? You can't handle authority. You can't relate with one who handles authority and engages with you at your level. Everybody wants to be oga of somebody. That's the legacy that slavery left us. Everybody wants somebody to say to them, Madam, oga. I've said this a thousand times. Somebody says to you, good morning. Your dream is when you see somebody that you can answer, how are you? Because it is the younger one or the less privileged one that greets morning. And then it's the more privileged one or the older one that replies, how are you? You ask your boss, how are you? Or some kind of fathers. You greet your father, you go to me and you say, Good morning, Daddy. Daddy, how are you? Say, are you, are you okay? If it's not a slap, that's good to follow. Because here is the elder one that asks the younger one, how are you? The younger one cannot ask the elder one, how are you? But that's, that's not the mind of Christ. Honor is not a function of age in the kingdom. It's a function of revelation. It's revelation. If you disrespect me because I didn't put a title to my name, you're a hypocrite. That's why here we always lead with a title. My name is Pastor. Your name is not Pastor. Your name is not Pastor nothing. Your name is not Bishop. Your name is not Engineer. You sit in events. You get your, your tummy starts to run. My name is Architect. So-and-so. And because those people feel elevated above people that cannot come and say, my name is Mechanic. Do you see what I'm saying? It sounds funny, but this is what has twisted the society. I'm telling you the truth. What, had, what those people would not tell you. Because no, carpenter, but you sit on a chair made by a carpenter. My name is driver. Ah, drive, come on, driver. Drive yourself. Shebi, you still trust the driver you maltreat to drive you from here to Sokoto. Are you not mad? So it's, it's, it's actually even foolishness to not trust God. You trust the taxi driver. You trust the, the, the you enter a plane. How many of you ever enter the plane and say, please, what's the name of the pilot? Can I see his license, please? How many flight hours has he called? Did he break up with his girlfriend <laughs> this morning? Let us know. But you enter and you, you sit down and you trust. How many of you have ever checked the, the license number of a taxi? So me, are you a licensed taxi cab? And we tell you, trust in the Lord with all your heart and that's what you struggle with. You're not wise. For a believer, it, it should be the most natural thing to trust God above everybody else. We tell you God's word concerning you and that's the one you want to doubt. You are not wise. You are not wise. Machines that fail. Expertise that is questionable. Or the God who is the ancient of days. You can't trust God. 
Ah, but it's hard for you to do. How can you trust what you don't see? How many times I can tell? How many times you have to be we enter the plane? Say, please, please. They're trying to go right. Say, please, I need to check the cockpit first. I need to see who and what is flying me. And you think it's because they searched you. How did how do terrorists get the, 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 the weapons onto the plane? Except the Lord. That's the attitude of a believer. Not one to abdicate in the face of hard times. Because these things actually show the true character of a believer. So James says, count it all joy when you go through. James 1 and 3. So we see authority under control over and over. We're going to go on a step further. Is that clear enough for that? He did not use it for his personal benefit. We looked at Hebrews 5, 5 and 9. We looked at Philippians 2, 5, and 5 to 10. Let's look even further as we establish that the authority that God has that he invested in the son or vested in the son is the authority by which God created the earth. Right? Genesis 1, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, the word God. I don't know who I was speaking with recently. Elohim being a plural term of the Godhead. Yeah. It's not referring to God as a singular as in the Father created the heavens or the earth, or as in the Son created the heavens and the earth, but as in the entirety of the expression of the Godhead. Does that make sense? In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So we see partnership of the Godhead. Make sense? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit, first of all, you see, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the surface of the waters. That's the first expression of the Godhead. The spirit. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created. So it means that from Genesis 1.1, we understand that the creation of the heavens and the earth is an express equal partnership of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Otherwise, you will not have used the word Elohim. If it was in the, in the beginning, the Father created the heavens and the earth, you will not have used the word Elohim. It was in the beginning the Son created the heavens and the earth. You would not have used the word Elohim. But it says in the beginning, Elohim created. Therefore, it means that if you're looking at the text, the text will show you the breakdown of Elohim. Or else the text would have lied to say Elohim did it. If Elohim did it, then we must see the distinct expressions of Elohim in what it is said that Elohim did. Are you following me? First expression... Verse 2, and the spirit of God was hovering. That's the first expression of Elohim. Am I, am I in Christ's experience? Yes, sir. Father, son, spirit, Elohim. Right? We see the first expression. The spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and I'll just let you think about how there's waters before creation. Yeah, I'll just, just let you point. I've, I've thought about it. A while ago, some of you here, a lot of you here are new. But just think about it. He's about to create the heavens and the earth and there's waters. What does that mean? Where they come from? When were they created? If there was waters before creation? Or is this creation? <laughs> That's how you know you came to a world meeting. You live with questions and answers. Answers and questions. This is creation. Because all that happens to waters later is a separation of waters from waters. Yes, sir. Yes. Not the creation of waters. Mm -hmm. 
or waters are not what waters appear to be. Somebody said, we finished teaching the gospel. We, we have not started. The spirit of the God of the Lord, first expression, over the very surface of the waters. Now see verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Go back to verse 2. First part of verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. What was upon the face of the deep? John chapter 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. See the next line. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness comprehends it not. King James. Light shines in darkness. John 1.1 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. Logos. And the word was with God. And the word was God. So in the beginning there was God that is the word. And the word that is God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. It goes on to say, the same was in the beginning with God. All things, yeah, go on. All things were made by him. King James is very nice. This chapter one is very nice in King James. He's too sweet. I'm telling you something. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by what? The word. Him. In the beginning was the word word and the word was with God and the word was God the same that word was in the so when you come and read Genesis 1 you must see that word in the beginning with God or else there's a problem somebody is lying God or the people giving the accounts in the beginning was the word and the word was with God God, in the beginning, God, not as a singular, created the heavens. God, Elohim. God, something and something. The word was life. Verse 4 of John 1. And that life was light. That light shines in darkness. And darkness did not comprehend it. Two creations, there was darkness before light. The first creation, Genesis 1, there was darkness before light. Second creation on the cross, there was darkness before light. If any man be in Christ, he is a new what? What preceded the first creation? Darkness into light. What preceded the second creation? Darkness into light. So we see in the beginning, Elohim created. We see the first expression, the spirit of God hovering. Then we look at John 1 and then bring John 1 back and look at Genesis 1 in the light of John 1. And God, verse 3, said. Said implies what? The uttering of a uttering of a God said cannot imply a thought. God said cannot imply a matrix. God said cannot imply a concept. God said implies a, he spoke a word. Who heals us? Who, through whom are we healed? Christ, right? Come on. 
Isaiah 53, he was bruised or anything. The chastisement of peace upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He sent forth his word. Wait, who did you say is your healer? He sent forth his word and he healed them. Who healed you again? Christ. Otherwise known as. So when God sent forth his word, it wasn't God saying be healed. It was God commissioning the son to be our healing. Do you understand? Now, take that same principle and bring it here to God. Said, let there be light. Who was released upon the deep? Who sponsored it? The Holy Spirit already hovering over the waters. The active agent, the creative agent of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And then God releases the word. Who is the word? Because in the beginning was the word. And then John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh. So there was the word before he became flesh. So the word is Christ without a body. Do you understand? Pre-incarnate Christ. Christ before he had a body was the word spoken. So God said was God releasing Jesus as the active agent of the Godhead sponsored by the facilitation of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is hovering. God the Father is creating using Jesus. So when Colossians 1 in verse 15 starts to speak, it will make sense to you. Colossians 1 15, who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. See verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or Satan. Before you are looking for the origin of Satan and demons. All things were created by him. We'll talk it another day. And for him. 17. And he's before all things. The same was in the beginning with God. He's before all things and by him. So it begins to make sense. Hebrews 1 and 3. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Look at this. And upholding all things by the word of his partner. In him, all things consist. Another translation actually says of Colossians 1.19, in him all things hold together. And how you see that here, the sun, the brightness of his image, of his glory, and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Who is the word of his power? God. Hebrews 11 and 3. In Hebrews 11 and 3, you see, faith is the substance of things, so forth. The evidence of things are simple, by the evidence of things good report, the three. Through faith, three, verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds, heaven and earth, whether they be powers, whether they be principalities, we just saw that now, right? In Colossians 1. All the worlds were framed by the Are you following? So there's no dispute. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. And this word is Christ. There's no dispute about the word being Jesus. First John 1 and 1. First John 1 and 1. First John 1 and 1. You see that. First John 1 1. That which was from is, is it coming together for you? So you can't read one scripture in isolation. You must read the, the, the singular in the light of the entire. The, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen. Who is saying we have? John. 
John was not in the beginning. But he saw what was from the beginning. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled off. So multiple, multiple scriptures establishing that Jesus is the word. And the word was at the beginning. So you have to see Jesus in Genesis 1. And it's there in plain sight. John 1.3. Genesis 1.3. Let God said. John 1.5. God said. God, John 1, Genesis 1.7 rather. God said. Genesis 1.9. God said. God said. God said. God said. God said. God said was Jesus working. Because Jesus is the setting of God. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is the utterance of the Father. If God speaks, Christ happens. Do you understand? Jesus is the utterance of the Father. And that's why you, it's, not, it's not difficult to understand that there cannot be a mature Christian who is not properly taught Jesus. You, how do you want to mature? What is spiritual maturity? That you can cast out demons. Anybody who believes can cast out demons. What is spiritual maturity? That you prayed and got 10 houses. The unbelievers can do that. But to miss Jesus is to miss the entire character of the Father. To not see Jesus is to not know what God looks like. You cannot comprehend what God is like in the absence of Jesus. Jesus gives expression to the Godhead. God dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen nor will ever see. But through Jesus we come boldly. <laughs> because God can still not be seen but we see God in Jesus. And that's good enough for me. But we see Jesus. Hebrews 2 and 9. Looking on to Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2. We see Jesus. God dwells in unapproachable light. There would have been a fundamental problem. We we'll never have been able to have any transaction with the Father. That's why we taught you that Christ is our interface with the Father. You will never have been able to transact with the Father. Never. Never in the absence of Christ. Christ gives color to the Godhead. He gives expression to the Godhead. He gives language to the Godhead. He gives utterance to the Godhead. He gives unction to the Godhead. He gives creativity to the Godhead. He gives functionality to the Godhead. Christ is the expression of the Godhead. In him, Paul says in Colossians, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus. Christ is the custodian of everything that makes God, God. To miss him is to miss everything God has to say. Am I in Christ's experience? So when we say that it's by the authority of God that the worlds were made, this is what we're talking about. So who is the custodian of the authority of God? Jesus. Jesus. So he speaks and creation happens. He is the author of creation. And the author, therefore, of salvation. Because the entire creation story is a salvation story. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. The entire thing is a creation story. The whole of Genesis is a, cre- a salvation story. Eden is a salvation story. Salvation 101. 101. Classic salvation story. The entire creation story. That's why I just drew the parallels between the old creation and the new creation. Darkness upon the face of the deep. Darkness befell, blanketed the whole earth. Because there's a period of travail. And then light comes. And darkness cannot comprehend it. It was by his authority that he created. Same Elohim 
happens again in Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Pastor, just, I will just call the verses. Yeah, I've marked them all in my Bible. I've, I've, I've taught you guys this before many times. Genesis 1, 3. Then God said. Genesis 1, 6. God said. Genesis 1, 9. God said. Genesis 1, 11. God said. 1, 14. God said. 1, 20. God said. 23. God said. 26. God said. 29. God said. Everything was God said. So, so when, when you hear that by him, all things were created, as Colossians says. Whether the thrones, principalities, all of them came by the saying of God. And who is the saying of God? Christ is the logos of God. See verse 26. You see how we also came to be. Then God, Elohim is the word there again, said. See, see the qualification? Let us. It doesn't say let me now. After this, us, the next time you see the plurality of the Godhead is in Tower of Babel. Where they say, ah, let us now go to, let us go down. Then God said, let us now make man according to our likeness. And I will not go into that today because if I go, it's very juicy. If the image of God is not that God has two noses, two eyes, two mouths. There's nobody here that looks like God in the physical. Because there's nobody that knows what God looks like in the physical. Because God is not physical. <laughs> it's, I'm not telling you, Pap says, John 4, is it 22 or 23? God is spirit. It's, it's in scripture. Just, just open your eyes. It's not me just telling you what I have calculated. God is spirit. We're not trying to define what has already been defined. That's why he dwells in unapproachable light. He's spirit. But the word of life, we have touched it. Him, seen him, handled him because he gives body to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is spirit. He's not animate. Jesus gives bodily expression to God. So when he says, let us make man our image, he's not thinking animate. He's not thinking, let us make man to appear like us physically. Do you understand? Because there's no physical body for God. It's not possible. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation write about four living creatures. My God, go and read those the description. It says they have eyes all over them. And then the eyes are even consistent on a wheel that accompanies them so that they do not turn left to go left. They do not turn right to go right. They do not read. They just, they just happen. They just happen. Eyes all over them. They don't turn left Imagine a vehicle that doesn't turn left or right. It just, just is at any point in time. These are four living creatures, created beings. And then you're in the image of God and you have two eyes. So God has two eyes. When living creatures he created are covered with eyes. Then you start to get perspective when he says, now living creatures have plenty eyes. Then what is God? How does God see? When he says the eye of the Lord runs to and fro. The, not the eyes, oh. the eye. <laughs> this is our, our God is eye. He is seen. He defines sight. Yes, sir. Yes. Do you he doesn't see. He is the definition of sight. Yes. Sight is able to see because of him. So take that image out of your head. Yeah? God is not that drama. Oh. Drama sit on the throne. Big throne. 
Somebody's finding God because God cannot breathe. <laughs> yeah, how heavy if you hot. God can faint. <laughs> Do you understand? In, 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 in dry season, in heaven, <laughs> it's, very, <laughs> it's very hot. There's no AC. So you have to find God. Because we think of God the way we think of Kabi AC. You understand? We think of Igwe, Serki. No. No. So your, your, your graphical illustration, that's why the, no, nobody has done as much disservice to the body of Christ as those familiar spirits in human beings that say they went to heaven and hell. Yes, sir. I, I will continue to say it. I will continue to say it. Let us, let us talk this on the strength of scripture. Who sent you? I saw God. He had long beer beer. Who told you? Haven't you heard those testimonies? Yes, he had a flowing one. He was wearing a white robe. He was wearing so bright. His hair was shining. Someone who said he had ten crowns. Some who had seven crowns. Some who had one big crown with a big stone. Which God are you seeing? If all of us are seen, how come we're not seeing the same God the same way? Why are there different translations of God? Everybody's God is different. Some will say he was tall. My hand got missing in his hand. Others will say he held my hand nicely. I could feel his warmth. Another person will say he was cold. My friend, no man has seen God. Full stop. Umar. Whatever you think you saw, keep it to yourself. Umar, you can't come and make doctrine out of a, a picture you saw. Hey, pastor, I'm the one that know what I saw. Keep what you saw to your know. I dealt with this last week. I said, if it's possible, then we would have seen at least one example. But I showed you the, the parable of Father Abraham and Lazarus. And Father Abraham said, nobody comes from here to here, nobody goes from there to here. And nobody goes from the dead to come and tell you the gospel. Listen to the law and the prophets. Huh. And it has not changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now we come today and tell you, I saw God. God sent me back to come and tell you to repent. You are a liar. Because God himself had said, nobody comes back from the dead to come and tell us anything. So you are too small to remix the nature of God. Your testimony is too small to change the nature of God. You can't rewrite scripture. You can't. You can't rewrite scripture. And that's this where believers must take their ground. Stand their ground. And so I, I mean, I was, I've been saying these things and I look like I'm alone. Because you know how sometimes when you're alone, it looks like you're a madman. When that thing was raging, I stood my ground. It's, I, I've, I grew up seeing it. Whole churches are crying. You don't receive the revelation of the gospel and respond in fear. The gospel of Christ never breeds fear. You have not been given the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind. You don't, receive, you don't hear the gospel and respond in fear and trepidation. Let, let, no, 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 no. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood. Boldness. You don't need a prophet to tell you what is of God. You don't. That's why in this house we teach. It's teaching that is deliverance. We teach. Because it's teaching that deals with this madness. I saw God. 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 Can you please keep quiet? And everybody's saying they saw God and nobody has a revelation of him in the face of Jesus. Because the glory of God is as beheld in the face of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God who causes light to shine out of darkness has shown in in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God. How? In the face. 
So if you are not seeing the face of Jesus Christ, you have no idea what the glory of God is. You have no idea what the glory of God is. The glory of God is as appreciated in the seeing of Jesus Christ. In other words, the revelation of Christ Jesus is the glory of God in a believer. Did you hear what I said? The revelation of Christ Jesus is the glory of God in the believer. That's why believers, sons of God, don't cry, bring down the glory. From where are you bringing it? I'm bringing down the glory when he came to bring sons into glory. Ah, Hebrews 2.10. He came to bring sons into glory. Where are you bringing the glory down from? Whom he justified, he also glorified. Romans 8.29 into 30. Who he for you? Romans 8.20, for whom he found you, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren, and whom he predestined, those he called, those who he called, he justified, those he justified, this he also what? So what is your status as a believer? You, yourself, you are glorified. So you are not among the people, listen to me carefully, you are not among the people that do not share the glory of God. No, no, no. We are not among the people that say, oh, your glory will you not share? No, no, I am the sharer. Yeah. The sherry of the glory. Why? Because before now, there was no interface. Now, he came and when he finished, he brought me into glory. He glorified me. He glorified me. I'm not me. I'm not hoping to give God glory. I am now. I am the glory of the Father. In the face of Jesus. I am the glory of Jesus. Let, me, let the glory come down. Let the glory from where is the glory coming down? The glory came down. Came down and stayed down. Stayed down. <laughs> oh man. Where was I? Genesis 1:26. Let us now make man in our image. I've taught you in this house what the image of God is. We saw it not a few minutes ago in Hebrews 1:3. Who been the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Taught you the word there, character. Image of God is Christ. So when they said, let us make man in our image, what God had in mind when he was creating us was Christ. Do you understand? Christ was the reference for the creation of man. Christ was the blueprint for the creation of man. Let us make, can we all just sit down and look at Christ? Let's observe Christ and then let us make man as Christ is. That's the mandate in Genesis 1.26. Does that make sense? And Christ is righteousness in whom there's no impurity. Holy Spirit, help me to drop this for these people just in a, ah, in like, hmm, in like two minutes. Emoji, you know how for you to say something is pure, there has to be a reference of impurity against which it must be measured. On the other hand, when you say something is impure, there has to be a measure of purity by which it is measured against. Please pay attention to this carefully. Purity is as measured against a standard of impurity. Impurity is as measured against a standard of purity. Christ is our righteousness in whom there is no guile. Do you understand? There is no impurity in Jesus. For although he, he, he became sin, he did not sin. He became sin. He knew no sin. There has to be a knowledge of sin 
to know that Christ did not know sin. You cannot say, you cannot say that somebody did not sin if you don't know what it means to sin. So when we say Christ is righteous by God's standard, it means that there is a standard of unrighteousness that God knows by which he defines that Jesus is righteous. Are you following me? So Jesus is the righteousness of the Father that has passed his standard against any measure of unrighteousness such that Jesus does not know what it means to be unrighteous. Are you here? Jesus does not know what it means to be sin. He does not know sin. The person that knows sin says there's no sin in him. Does that make sense? That's the completion of the Godhead. In Genesis 3, man in Genesis 1 is made in the image of the Godhead. That image, the expression of that image is Christ. And Christ is is so perfect that he does not know what imperfection is. Do you understand? He ate on the Sabbath and did not break the law. The Sabbath to testify that he is Lord of the Sabbath. You ate on a Sabbath day when, and, and the Lord did not break. Are you here? And then in Genesis 3, man fell. God said, man has now become one of us. He didn't say man has now become Christ. He made man Christ. Holy not knowing what iniquity is. Righteous not knowing impurity. Only the father knows or knew what it meant to be right or wrong. It's because he knew what is right or wrong and he made the son right without knowing what wrong is that he made Adam in the image of Christ to not never ever need to know what wrong is. But the father knows what wrong is. Against that measure, he measures Christ as righteous. When man fell, what did man come into? The ability now, outside or beyond Christ, to begin to, this is right, oh, this is wrong, oh, so this is correct, oh, and that is where the error began. We were not designed to measure righteousness by morality. So that's what it means when God says, they have become one of us, so it was not a good thing. Ah, now man can now start to calculate right and wrong, and it's not something they can even get the equation by themselves. It's not something they can never get the calculation right. They can never get the balance right. I am the balance of right and wrong. I didn't design you to be doing that sort of thing. I, we looked at Father, Son, Spirit. We agreed, look like Jesus. It's not enough for you. He's our righteousness. He's the expression of purity. He's the expression of the, look like Christ. Leave the rest. You now want to come and be God that you cannot handle being. Now you know right and wrong. What are you going to do with it? So us becoming born again is returning to Christ-likeness where we lose consciousness of sin, of wrongdoing, of morality, of that. We just return to Christ-likeness. Morality itself ceases to have a grip on you. You just do the will of the Father and not measure it against anything else. And not measure it against anything else. Let us make man in our image. 
the image of God is Christ. And that authority is the authority by which he made the world. That same authority, therefore, consequently, is the authority by which he sustains the world. As we saw in Hebrews 1.3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Are you here? Colossians 1.17. Hallelujah. Is anybody glad to be in Christ experience? Hallelujah. Are you getting this? It's good that you get it, but no matter how you get it, you know like getting, get it though. Yeah, you can't listen to this thing one, one time and get it. So listen, open your spirit, take it all in, and then listen again. And then listen again. And li- it will help you. Are you realizing that it will help you? We're not designed, oh, this is right, this is not right, this is not right, this is not right. A man was sent to marry a prostitute, and God was behind it. How, does, how, you, how do you define that in the context of morality? How do you define it? A man was walking around for three and a half years naked, preaching the gospel, Isaiah. How do you define that in the context and the ambit of morality? You're not designed to operate by morality. Morality is too small to be the yardstick for sons of God. Faith in the Father through the Son, by the help of the Holy Spirit, is the standard for righteousness before the Father. Morality is too small. <laughs> it's too small. It's too small. You, you realize that as believers, we are still being governed by the civil law standard of morality. The true new creation is restored to oneness with the Father without any measure against which it should be measured. He is before all things. His authority is how he sustains the world, right? He's before all things. I'm reading from the NSV. And in him all things consist. The word consist there is the word sunesteken in the Greek. Sunesteken, the way that it is actually pronounced. Sun, like the sun that shines. Sunesteken. And from its root word, it means to establish, to commend, to support and to stand together with. To commend, to establish, to support, and to stand together with. You get it? So, if we reward this from the original language, he's before all things, and in him are all things commended. In him, or by him, or through him, are all things established. Through him, as we see in verse 15 and 16, in him and by him are all things supported. Does that make sense? So that will also puncture a hole in the theology that suggests that the presence of evil is the absence of God. If, if something happened here, it's because God is not there. Where did it happen then? Where is not consisting in God? All things, sir. No exceptions. So that theology is faulty. Ah, it's the absence of God. People did not pray. God is not. He causes the sun to shine, the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. Because in him, all things are commended. All things are established. The sun is not shining because you are a believer and you prayed. In Alaska, when the sun sets in October, it doesn't come back until March. Sunset lasts for five months. When the sun goes down, it does not rise again. There is five months of night. Five months of night. No sun for five months. So you know I explained that is there are village people that did them. Do you understand? Yes, 
or they didn't pray. Brethren, we have to pray. This sun must shine again. And it says, it says for five months. Five months. Which prayer did you pray to make that happen? It's rainy season. You do crusade. You want to hold the rain. It is rainy season. It's time for rain. The rain you are holding is the rain farmer is praying for to come. John, it was just so selfish. Allow seasons. So if you ban the rain for you, what happens to the farmer's crops? He set seasons in place for a reason. So in him, all things are commended. In him, all things are established. In him, all things are supported. And in him, all things hold together. He is the stabilization of all things. And that is easy for him because he's the one that created them anyway. Hello? You bought a Hisense TV and it gives you a problem. You don't send it to Panasonic. That they should do what with it? Your Toyota Camry, you bought it brand new. It has issues. You now send it to Mitsubishi. For what? They will not have the matching part of the spec of your vehicle because they are not the manufacturer. That's why you get a manufacturer's warranty. Not seller's warranty. Manufacturer's warranty. It is a default. Send it back to us. We made it. We know how to fix it. So any church that is afraid of the mess of its members is not a church. It's a social club. Because you messed up, come back to the manifest. We are the one that here will help you to be fixed. Galatians 6.1 If a man is overtaken in Please, in what kind of trespass? What, please, what kind of trespass? Mark? What is excluded from any? So contrary to those of you that feel like, ha, ah, the church is too, the church is too dirty. The church is not dirty enough. The church is not dirty enough until every dirty person in church can come back to church dirty. The church is too clean. Because a lot of us are hiding our mess. Because church has not shown that they can handle it. One brother that they saw that you kissed or you slept with, we remove everything. We actually turned you into a Muslim. I'm serious. This pastor is here. here. We treat you like you came with carried leprosy because you got pregnant out of wedlock. Does the devil give children? Children are a heritage of the Lord, not children for married couples. Children, those church members will now come. Pastor, are you now saying? Are you? You know them church members. Are you now saying? International Ministries Incorporated. No, we are saying what we have said. Children are a heritage of the Lord. Blessed is he whose quiver is full of them. There's no condition. A child has to come somehow when it's time. When it's time, life will move you to bring that child. Because that's the time for that seed. They will come and crucify you, make you feel like trash just because you sinned differently. (laughs) Me, I will tell you. Me, I will tell you. Come and bite me. Somebody stands and said, if you are not tithing, you will not go to heaven. That is a sin. As big and as bright as a sin can be. God did not kill him. If God used to kill people for sin, 
the moment you are making that kind of blasphemous statement, you, you will fall down and die. Bite me. That's the height of blasphemy. Yes. No, you know, Titus who make heaven because you are the accountant general of heaven. You check, you now check. He didn't pay tight. Ah! Go to hell. I was offended in my spirit when that happened. But I showed mercy because God shows mercy. Restore others gently, lest you yourself be tempted. You cannot therefore come and deprive somebody of a mercy and grace you are enjoying. You can't do it. Most people attacking the gospel of grace are the biggest beneficiaries of grace. I don't have time for nonsense. It's because of the grace of God speaking for you that you can be alive to attack grace. Your attacking of grace and being alive is a proof that the grace is really hyper. You have just proved, it's, it's not me, it's not it's your, it's your life and ministry that is proving the hypacity <laughs> of grace because you are only alive because of that grace. You won't dare if God was not gracious. Ah, yeah. You won't dare. You won't dare. So your attack of grace and you appear to be successful is an endorsement of the extravagance of that grace that you attack, that you will come and preach. We are waiting for you. No, because our grace will not kill you. It will preserve. All things are upheld by him. No, no, no. Grace does not kill you. We're not praying for fire to burn you. No, 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 no. no. Don't worry. Don't worry. You will be overshadowed by grace. And most times it entails putting you in a corner where you yourself, you will know that it's only grace that can take you out. Because you don't, you don't know grace until you need it. When you need it, you realize it's, hey, it cannot be too much. Oh. It's when it's somebody else that is spending it that you feel like they are using it anyhow. Mm. When is your turn? Ah! God of grace. So you can't judge somebody else because they sinned differently. Because you like this is just the propitiation that is covering for you. Because of the long suffering of God. He upholds all things. Commends all things. So I said, church is not dirty enough. Come home. Come to me. Come home. Come to your father. Come to your brother. Come to your sister. We restore you gently. You saw it in scripture. Galatians 6 1. In the spirit of meekness. Put it up in the TPT. Galatians 6 1. We are dealing with imitator. You, you realize that, right? Yes. My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words which will open his heart to you and keep you from exalting yourself over him. I mean, how much more clearer could it be? Maybe the message, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the message. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You may be needing forgiveness before the day is out. See, if, if somebody has the spirit of God, they usually know when they fail. They don't need you to rub it in. 
So you look at us and we, we look like a bunch of misfits. Yes, that's why we are the true church. Yeah. We look like, ah, look at who people are harboring. Who should we harbor? Yes. Who should we harbor? Look at them. Look at the way they are looking. How should we look? That the excellency may be of God and not of us. The excellency may be of God and not of us. Because he's the one that upholds us. He doesn't tell you clean yourself and come. He tells you come and be clean. Come. Then tidy yourself up and fix yourself and come. Then what kind of God? He's a lazy God. He's a lazy. You don't need him if you can do the work yourself. Do you understand? You're being stupid. Why, do, why must you serve a God when you can do for yourself what the God cannot even do for you. He's afraid that you will contaminate him. If you come too close to him. So clean yourself first and come. That means your God can be infected by coronavirus. That's what it means. So don't come, don't come too close. Your iniquity would, would rub off on me. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. Isaiah 53, 5 or 6. The Lord has laid on him the iniquities. Go on, this next verse. Of us all. Oh, yes. Go back again. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him people who have not yet received the salvation have had their iniquity laid on Jesus. That's why I said nobody will perish because of sin. The iniquity of us all laid on him. And then now as a son, you messed up. God can't handle it. Change God. Did you hear what I said? Change God quickly, quickly, quickly. Change God. Your God is a foul. Come to me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't stop there. He said, and you will find rest for your souls. That's my God. And that's the example he has shown us. That's the example we imitate. Are you following me? That's the example we imitate. Look at Christ in the narrative. Extract Christ from the narrative. Discard the rest of it. Discard. Why since then to now no river has parted in the middle? Because there are certain things that God ordained for you to pattern. Certain things are not ordained for you to pattern. Because if he wants people to be drowned into the Red Sea, another one could have repeated itself. And then you now even come and settle into what does it mean? Because, sir, Israel going through the Red Sea cannot mean baptism. And Pharaoh and his guys drowning in the Red Sea does not mean something. And scripture already tells us that that was a type of baptism. So what was Pharaoh and his guys drowning a type of? 
instantly you see grace and you see works. And then you stop praying, falling into the sea and cover. You see what people do by standing still and see the what did God tell? Exodus 14. Stand still and see the what? The what? The what? That he will show you this day. That he will show you this day. So what was that a type of salvation? By trusting, stand still and trusting. Grace through faith, not of works. Then you, you see, you want to enter and go in. No, it's not of works. It's not of works. Stand still. Be at rest. See the salvation of the Lord. And he will show you this day. For you can't be praying. Pharaoh on his side. Calm down. And that's why I take time to teach. And that's why you must humble yourself and open your heart up to receive God's word. It's not Bible stories. Careful before you pray some prayers. Get caught up in the bandwagon. People are reading the scripture and are not seeing Christ. Pharaoh and his riders. That's not what he was. He wasn't showing you how to kill Egyptians. He was showing you how to live by grace through faith and not of works. It's the same narrative with Esau and Jacob. Same narrative. Same narrative. Jacob got a mediator. Who showed him? Hey, listen my friend. Come now, do this, do that, do that. I'll speak for you. Bah! Rebecca plugged Jacob into the blessing. Yes. Esau was trying to hustle it by himself. Go and bring me venison. Yes, did Jacob tell, did, did, did Isaac tell Esau exactly where and how to get it? No. He began to figure out by works how to get it. Mm. Jacob found grace quickly. Rebecca as a type of Christ. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Take this thing. Ah, ah, mommy. But if they catch me, Rebecca said, I will take the blame for you. My friend, can do this. Do this. Can do this. Straight plugged into the blessing. Read all through scripture. You see the gospel right there. You see patterns that he showed us. Stand there, be praying. Red Sea and may our eyes be open. That we may behold wondrous things in his word. Wondrous things in his law. Wondrous things. Where was that? He upholds all things. By the word of his power. He sustains all things by his authority. Everything is sustained in God. God is the reason why we are here today. Whether we give him credit or not. Including the things that are not attributed to him that we think are his doing. He's not oblivious to them. He sustains all things by his authority. What does this mean for the believer? (laughs) It means that I share the authority of God in Christ because of what he has brought me into. Again, at this point, I refer you to that two-part teaching series. The word, the power, the believer. It's only two parts. Look for it. Listen to it. We are dealing with the subject matter. Imitate. And the first element of our imitation of Christ and the apostles is the authority of Jesus. Have you followed the journey so far? 
All authorities of God, all authorities vested in the Son. The Son created the, the universe by that authority. Before that, we, we, de- we determined how the, the Son never used the authority outside the will of the Father. And then he never, never used the authority for his own benefit. But he created the universe by that authority. He sustains the universe by that authority. And now he says, authority is yours. Now, you have the authority of God in Christ. It's, it now behoves you to imitate his usage of the authority and not deploy it in any way, shape, or form that is contrary to the patterns that we have been shown. Are you following so far? Do you have the authority to call down fire from heaven? Yes. Is it the Father's will for you to call down fire from heaven? No. Because if they were, we'd have seen examples. And the one example that existed, or two, Jesus rebuked it. He said, do you not know what manner of spirit you are of? That means those who called down fire did not operate by the spirit of God in the person of Christ. They did not. I mean, look at how many opportunities Jesus had. They called him Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. That's a demon. They called him a Samaritan. They called him an outcast. They said he was demon-possessed. Jesus, not once. I will show you people something now. They now went past it and said he has a devil. Jesus. They called him a drunkard. A wine babbler. They called Jesus a gluten. He hung with prostitutes. Hung with tax collectors. And at no occasion... Did he deploy authority? Do you understand? And that's why you think that we, we cannot show power. Of what edification is it for me to come and stand in front of you and go, all of you fall on the ground. Then what happened? Then what happened? But we are praying, we are manifesting spirituals, the authority of God is present and as he wills, he enters people. That's why I laugh when it's happening. I laugh in the spirit. Because I didn't put my hands on you. I don't do that. It is him and you having your dealings. So most times I just, I just prepare space for you. I'm, have you noticed? I'm never afraid. Ever. If it's the Holy Spirit that is dealing with you. I'm not afraid. If he wants to break your head, let him break it. It is not me that did you anything. It is you and the Holy Spirit. Uncle, when you finish, you will come up better than you went down. Because it's the Holy Spirit. When he shakes you like that, because no human being is a good conductor of God. Physics. No, there's no human being that is a good... Every human being, especially one who is tuned to God, is by design a bad conductor of God. In other words, when the surge of the Holy Spirit charges through you, my brother, you will, something will happen to you. Something will happen to you. Something will happen to you. And it has nothing to do with me. It's you and the Holy Spirit. And when he's through with you and he brings you up, he brings you up more whole than he took you down. But it's of no edification for me to just stand. For what? 
is just to invoke fear. Psychological tuning. And then you start to feel like a sinner because you're not falling. But, ah, <laughs> so everybody don't fall. So <laughs> whose story am I saying? <laughs> you don't be looking to fall. After some of you have thrown yourselves down before. Just for that. Yeah. yeah. So avoid stories that touch. You just <laughs> there's no edification from that show of authority again we have not so learned Christ there should have been one example recorded of the apostles going into a church meeting and go you know can we do it yes you hunger father as I worship as I let there be smitten so that what will happen most times it was just to make you look good and to gain validation as a minister. You're not thinking about the edification of the saints. You're not thinking of how many chairs you break. You're not. You're not thinking about the education of the saints. You're not thinking about how people get home after a meeting. You're just there. Power is shocking you. You keep people to past the level. They should get home how? Because when we finish protocol and, and driver in a nice car waiting to take you to a hotel, how do people get home? So as you grow in your, your spiritual development, you understand that authority is power under control. You can do all things, but you can't do all things because that's not the pattern that has been laid before us. Are you following me? But you have authority. Why do you have authority? Because you share in everything Christ enjoys. Hebrews 8, 17. No, Romans 8, 17. You share in everything Christ enjoys. Let me see it in the TPT. Romans 8 and 17. You share in everything that Jesus enjoys. If Jesus enjoys it, you are meant to enjoy it in the same volume as Jesus. Do you understand? He's not anymore only begotten. Of the father. No, now he's just the firstborn among many begottens. I am the begotten of the father. And since TPT says we are his true children, we qualify to share how many of his treasures? For indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. King James says we are heirs of the father, joint heirs with the son. Joint means that, when it's a joint account, what does it mean? Any signatory can withdraw from that account. Any, can, any signatory can pay into the account. Any signatory. It is a joint account, equal access. Any signature will fly. We are joint heirs with the son. We are joint heirs of the father. It's important you understand. We are not joint heirs of the father. 
We are not joint heirs. There is no co-God. We are joint heirs with the son of the father. There is only one father. There will forever be only one father. The father finds expression in the son. We have joint access with the son, but the father is our father. Does that make sense? That means whatever is our father's is ours. Hello? But he's the father. Jesus gives him expression. We share that exact expression with Jesus. Whatever Jesus can do, I can do. Wherever Jesus is seated, I am seated. Whatever Jesus has, I have. Whatever Jesus is, I is. Equal standing. That means the authority to create and sustain, I have. That's why you cannot remove creativity from the gospel. You cannot. It's malicious to remove creativity from the soteria package. It's malicious to remove creativity from the soteria package. How can somebody do something as miraculous as saving you for eternity and not be able to give you one idea to change your life? He saves you for eternity and leaves you for only business school and to teach you some things. Yes, there's a place for that, but there's no limit to his sophos, no limit to his wisdom, no limit to his infinite quickening working in the soul of a believer. He's the creativity of the Godhead. He created by that authority. You share his authority. You too, you, you create by his authority. And he didn't just create spiritual things by his authority, physical things too. So who's to say you cannot get inspiration to create physical things by the same authority that says walk in the sun? Don't limit yourself. You have the authority of the father as expressed in the son resident on your inside. You too, however, learn to deploy that authority in the confines of the father's will. Does that make sense? There are some clothes you can wear and it has nothing to do with your salvation. And you know that wearing those clothes will not affect your salvation. And yet you will never wear them. I'm bringing it home now. Imitate. You can do all things. But you will not do all things. You know. You know. Even if somebody stumbles. You know the father will keep you and he will preserve you. And it's not your business how the person saw what he saw. After you know all that. You still advise yourself in the Holy Ghost. That your neckline is too short. It's too deep. And it's not legalism or moralism. It is you understanding I have authority. I must muzzle. Same thing with your mouth as James says. Put a bridle over your tongue. You know. Nobody will tell you. You and the Holy Spirit say, but you know you can't wear that. Not now. Not in this manner. You can say certain things and it's fine. But then you know you can't say certain things. Because no profane speech went out of the mouth of Jesus. No. But when he needed to be firm, he was firm. Yet, no guile word was found in his mouth. So nothing should justify a believer 
understanding that they are saved and yet their salvation is secure and therefore they can speak anyhow. We have not so learned Christ. That's not the pattern. Is he hitting home for you now? No, I've not, I've not, that's not how we have learned him use authority. That's not what you're giving it for. That's not what you're giving it for. You will tread upon serpents and scorpions. Doesn't mean you should go and, go and carry a serpent and see what it do to you. Go. Go and carry a scorpion. Hold the front, it will use the back and shoot it. Hold the back, it will, it will minister life to you. Because that's not what the scripture is saying. Scripture is not saying, go and carry a serpent and scorpion and it will not harm you. That's not what it's implying. But that you are in a place where you are in danger of serpents or scorpions. They will do nothing to you. And then we see that pattern in Malta with Paul. After the shipwreck, they are sat there. It's in scripture. They're sat there and, 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 and a cobra comes and tights his arms his, itself around Paul's arm. And they look at him and they say, Ha, ah, this one man, he's cursed. Snake around you, he's dead. And he just shakes it off into the fire. And they now say, Oh, this one is a god. <laughs> that was the, this, the, the, the manifestation of that scripture. That should you be in a place where you're in danger of serpents and scorpions, especially in the pursuit of the gospel, because that thing was given in the context of going into the world. Do you understand? In the context of missionary assignment. Then, you exercise that and say, no, it can't hurt, it can't hurt me. And it's because of this understanding that John G. Lake will say, what is corona, what is virus? He said, put it, put it on here. Put the virus on here. Put it on here. Put a microscope on it when you're putting the virus on it and see what happens. And they put the virus on his wrist and right there watching it under a microscope they watch the virus die on contact with his skin and that man is single-handedly credited with reversing the virus in South Africa in his day because you are in a place where you need to deploy authority along the lines of the will of the father are you following me not just get up and go and say you shot the mount of the lions go That's not what the scripture is saying. That's not what we're given authority for. And we imitate the pattern. Are you following me? In this house, in a little way, we are doing as God graces us to live our own lives according to the pattern. You don't see us using authority anyhow. You don't see me treating you like trash because I'm a pastor. You don't have such testimony of me. You don't have testimonies of me being lifted up and haughty and looking down on you because you are nothing. So really, you have no excuse because we are unto you the pattern that we see from the scriptures. We are unto you the pattern that we see. That's how we use authority. We share his authority. Ephesians 3 and 6, let me round this up. That the Gentiles should be, that's us, right? Should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise, God's promise in Christ through the gospel. So the gospel brings us into heirship of the gospel, partakers of God, along with Israel and everybody who is saved. Amen? So we deploy Christ in, in situations and we get results because he's the word. 
Right? He's the power. We enjoy the same privilege with the word. The word. Him, the word. Him, the word. We enjoy the same privilege. Acts 14. In verse 3, but let's go from verse 1. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke to that, and so spoke that a great multitude of both the Jews and the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. 3. Therefore, you think they would have run away, but they stayed there a long time, speaking how boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace he then granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands causing signs and wonders to be done by their hands there was a stake on the name of the lord there was a stake on the authority of the name of the lord and power was made available does that make sense we don't deploy you know, I mean, they, they, bring, they bring four men, tear the roof, and bring um, a friend who, is, who, is, who has a palsy, you know, who's paralyzed before Jesus. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. You would have thought that Jesus would have started to do, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Take it. Because all of that is mysticism. It's satanism. I said it. It is not of God. Regardless of who does it. We should have seen at least one example. What we see is what we shall imitate. And a generation of believers will arise. That will know nothing else except Christ and him crucified. You will see. Some of you are uncomfortable. Don't worry. Your time is coming. A generation will arise that will know Christ without mixture. A generation that will be void of those nonsense. Because Jesus could have. I mean, look at the market that Jesus could have crept. You know? Ah, enough market. Everybody gathered around him. You're like, you would have seen at least one example where he, he goes, mm. take him up. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. She's okay. <laughs> we don't see any. Not one. And if I stand alone, I stand alone for what we see of God in Christ without human additions. Alone. Oh, he looked at the guy and he said, your sins are forgiven you. One, he is establishing that infirmity was a product of sin. They didn't bring the guy for him to forgive sins. They brought the guy for him to cure his paralysis. Jesus looked at him and saw sin. That's number one. Say so your sins are forgiven you. It's sin that brought this nonsense. And he said, look, at who, is, who is this one that has power? He now said, oh, okay. So, which one was easier for you? To say, your sins are forgiven, to say, rise, take up your bed. Okay, okay. So you want to hear me say it. Okay, rise. Take up your bed and walk. He was such a controlled guy, Jesus. Man. Such a controlled guy. 
He's in the storm. The boat is real. And the guy is sleeping. Do you understand? Sleeping like Havila level sleep. Like Caleb level sleep. Jesus was crashed out. Because nobody wakes a normal person in a storm. You wake up. <laughs> you wake up. But Jesus crashed out. Because as far as he was concerned, the storm was just a vehicle to his destination. And they came. You know them sharp man, Peter. Master, carest, King James, carest thou not that we perish. What kind of master is this that is not bothering him that we are dying? Jesus could have gotten up and also go, ha, shakata, let's pray. Any, any power of storm. Peace. Be still. Went back to sleep. If he had not gone back to sleep, they would not have had the chance to say, who is he? That the wind and the waves obey him. It's because he went away they could say it. Because they were always speaking behind his back. Peace be still. So we too, we have learned Christ that way. You come to me and say, your body is paining. I tell you, peace. If you can't collect it, there's nothing I can do for you. Because that's the pattern we are imitating. So when there's a storm, every storm gives you the opportunity to transact with his peace. Every storm, every storm, every storm, there's no storm that will keep a son of God up at night. It's not big enough. At the bus stop, you will lie down at the bus stop and sleep in peace. In peace. You sleep outside under the open skies. In peace. He gives his beloved sleep. He didn't say where. He didn't say where. He didn't say he gives his beloved sleep on a bed in a house that paid their rent. He gives his beloved sleep. I lay me down. Do you know where David where he wrote it? Running away from Saul. I lay me down. And I slept. I awoke. The Lord sustained me. I slept rough. I woke. The Lord sustained me. That's authority. That's our pattern. That's our pattern. We don't get authority get into our head. We don't try to do what he didn't do with the authority that he had. We don't try to do what the apostles didn't do with the authority that they had. Oh, they had such authority. Paul standing there before Agrippa. I mean, I mentioned this last week. You think the guys didn't have power to just be doing stuff? John. John is allowing. John that says we have handled the word of life. Is allowing them to boil him in the pot of oil. You see such restraint, such discipline, such control. And you see such humility that no one thought that the power they had was for them to just use at their will and caprice. But they subjected it to the will of the Father. So all things are yours, beloved. All things. All things are yours. All things are yours. All things are yours. All things are yours. And yet, all things that are yours are subject to the working of the Father in your life. Have you learned anything today? This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email 
to info at the or visit our social media platforms.